very happy today, a historic uh, day for me and so many uh, people who are from Barbados and who live on the island of Barbados. The Caribbean island of Barbados has officially become the first British Commonwealth in nearly 30 years to declare itself a republic. The people of Barbados have stood up, establishing the Republic of Barbados, which after close to 400 years is removing England's Queen Elizabeth II as head of state. In 2020, Prime Minister Mia Motley announced that Barbados would become a republic by Tuesday, November 30th, which marks the 55th anniversary of our independence. On Monday, November 29th, on that evening, during an emotional and powerful ceremony, the Queen's standard was lowered for the final time in a ceremony in Bridgetown's National Heroes Square. Governor General Sandra Mason, who has served as the Queen's representative on the island, was sworn in as our first president. Um, President Mason, the first woman admitted to the bar in Barbados, was elected to be the first president of Barbados almost unanimously in October of 2021 during a special sitting of the lower and upper houses of parliament. By the way, the Barbados parliament is the third oldest in the world. Barbados became a commonwealth realm in 1966, gaining an independent government, but retaining the British monarch as head of state, which many have described as neocolonialism. Some of the history. On May 14, 1625, the first English ship, we are told, reached the island under the command of Captain John Powell, who claimed it on behalf of then King James I. Since then, 396 years ago, Barbados became an English colony. The name Barbados is derived from the Portuguese translation of quote, the bearded ones, which some say makes reference to fig trees on the island that have a beard-like appearance. After the British colonists wiped out the native uh, indigenous peoples, they turned it into a giant money-making machine, oppressing enslaved peoples and extracting resources like sugar. With the early introduction of sugar cane, Barbados became one of the richest of England's colonies in the world. Barbados created more wealth for England than the 13 U.S. colonies. The far eastern location of Barbados made the colony a major com commercial center for the transatlantic slave trade, especially with the British city of Bristol. Barbados became to be known as the jewel in the crown of the Caribbean. But these jewels were drenched in the blood, sweat, and tears of Black and Indigenous peoples. Today, the Newton Slave Burial Ground in Christ Church, which is the parish that I am from, and this burial ground, as it turns out, was practically right next to my village, but we had no idea it was there. But this Newton Slave Burial Ground remains the largest and earliest slave burial ground discovered in Barbados. Indeed, it is said to be one of the largest that have been discovered in the whole of the Americas. It is home to the remains of close to 600 enslaved men, women, and children who toiled and suffered through brutal plantation slavery. Between the 1630s and 1838, 
thousands of enslaved people were buried in unmarked graves in, in um, plantation cemeteries throughout the island. The harsh conditions endured by enslaved Africans resulted in several planned slave rebellions, the largest of which was Bussa's Rebellion, as it is called, in 1816. That, by the way, followed the Haitian um, Revolution of 1804, but Bussa's Rebellion in Barbados was suppressed by British troops. Bussa was born a free man in West Africa and was captured by merchants, sold to European slave traders and kidnapped to Barbados. And today, Barbados continues to spearhead CARICOMS, that's the Caribbean region campaign for reparations. Prime Minister Mia Motley, uh, who basically announced that Barbados would become a republic. She is the nation's first prime minister who was elected in 2018. She has overseen many progressive changes in Barbados, expanding access to health care, education, and housing for all. She has also campaigned for women's rights in all sectors of society. Last November, she ordered the removal of a statue of Lord Nelson. Now, Lord Nelson uh, was in Bar uh, the square, Trafalgar Square in Barbados. That square is older than the Trafalgar Square in London, by the way. And Lord Nelson was a controversial uh, British naval figure from a prominent uh, position where the statue was placed in the capital city of Bridgetown and Barbados. Internationally, Mia Motley's government has promoted a pan-Africanist agenda, opening embassies in Ghana and Kenya and advocating for reparations. She has also spoken out against interference by the United States and the Org Organization of American States, the OAS, in the region. Mia Motley was one of the few leaders in the Caribbean region to speak out in defense of Haitian uh, human rights. And during the COP26 climate talks in Glasgow, Mia Motley made waves with a well-received speech telling the leaders of the world's largest economies to try harder to avert catastrophic climate change. And she described rising sea levels as a death sentence, especially for small island nations like Barbados, which has a mostly uh, flat terrain. And on this, she spoke for so much of the global South, in particular, uh, the small islands. Changes in weather patterns pose significant problems to Barbados, which has been campaigning for urgent action on the environment from industrialized nations. During COP26, Mia Motley proposed that 1% of revenues from the sale of fossil fuels in countries that contributed most to climate change go into a loss and damage fund for countries of the global south, which are hardest hit. She said this would generate over $70 billion per year. I'd like to welcome uh, David Comision, Barbados's ambassador to the Caribbean community of CARICOM. He's also active in the Caribbean Pan-African Network. He's an attorney, writer, and political activist. Comision is the author of the book, It's the Healing of the Nation, The Case for Reparations in an Era of Recession and Recolonization. He is also the author of Marching Down 
the wide streets of tomorrow emancipation essays and speeches uh david commission welcome back i'm here uh so david commission uh i'm sure you were there last night a very emotional moment for all bajans as we call ourselves i listened as as much as i i could before i had to turn in uh because i rise at 2 30 in the morning uh to prep for this show so david commission um, your thoughts now for the island, because we have to dig a bit deeper than the fact that we're now a republic. What does it mean? But we are uncovering some of our history. You have people like myself finding out that I grew up next to the largest slave burial ground in the whole of the Americas and didn't know about it. We were not taught our history. David Commission. Well, you know, the Barbados story is a very profound story for black people, um, but for the whole cause of, of human dignity. Uh, the reality is that Barbados was Britain's mother colony in the Caribbean. Barbados was to the Caribbean what Virginia and New England were to the 13 um, American uh, British colonies. And um, Barbados has the dubious distinction of being the world's first slave society, not, not simply a society in which slavery was a feature, but a society in which uh, completely, totally founded on slavery, everything, its economy, its social structure, its ideology. And, um, and it was in Barbados that in the 1640s, that the British settlers developed the model of the slave plantation um, uh, model of production, um, generating superabundant profits on the basis of the superabundant, the super exploitation of African labor. Uh, once they developed the model in Barbados, they then took it to Jamaica in 1655, and um, and then from Jamaica to the Carolinas and, and all across the, the 13 American colonies. So this is Britain's mother colony. Almost the, um, in, 60, in, in 2025, it would be 400 years from that initial um, colonizing mission of Britain in, in, in um, 1625. So for Barbados to be making this transition, to be rejecting um, the remaining vestiges of British rule to be thrown off um, the British royal family, the royal family that played such a critical role in developing the transatlantic slave trade and the whole system of African enslavement, going way back to Queen Elizabeth I in, in 1562. This is very significant symbolically, it is, it is very significant, but it is also going to have a very practical um, and concrete effect on the other Caribbean countries um, because, you know, the, those countries, those Caribbean community countries that are still holding on to the monarch of, of Britain as their head of state, um, the, the, the message is going to be, look, if... If, the mother, if Britain's mother colony, the, the colony that was known as Little England, if that 
um, nation can make the break, then all of us can. Uh, so there are eight still holding on to the Queen as their head of state, and I am going to predict that um, in, in very short order, um, they are all going to follow the, the Barbados example. Uh, yes, uh, one would hope so. But um, David Commission, we we know that usually on a formal occasion like this, you have messages uh, sent from heads of state around the world. But there was a message um, from the president of Ghana. Tell us the significance of it because it felt a bit, on the one hand, we're cutting ties, um, well, with the crown in the UK. I mean, clearly, relations will still continue with the UK and the the presence of Prince Charles. He made that absolutely clear of being, quote unquote, a friend of Barbados and made some reference to the atrocities of, of slavery, nothing about the wealth his family got as a result of that. But tell us the significance of the message from the president of Ghana and the moves that Prime Minister Mia Motley, some of which you have been involved in, with the closer ties to the continent of Africa. Oh yes, well that that was extremely significant. In fact, um, the televised message of President um, Nana Akufo-Addo of Ghana actually began the inauguration, the formal part of the inauguration um, ceremony. And it, it was a very, very strong message um, emphasizing the ancestral uh, uh, links um, between Barbados and Ghana and our intention um, to solidify our solidarity and our, and our partnership in the present and the future. Yes, um, we in Barbados are very clear. We, we, have, we have reasserted our Atlantic destiny that... Um, the people of Africa are our kith and kin, particularly the people of Ghana, because many of our ancestors came from what was then known as the Gold Coast, the, the area that is now uh, modern-day modern day Ghana. And so just over the past year, Barbados has established for the first time an embassy in Ghana and one, and one in Kenya. And um, within CARICOM, Barbados is pushing very hard this idea of a partnership between the African Union and CARICOM. So you're quite right. I mean, Britain will remain very important to us. Um, Barbados is, our economy is built around tourism, and our biggest, um, single biggest tourism market is, is Britain. So, so that will that will continue, and Britain will be very important. But we know that our future destiny lies with the continent of Africa. In fact, our prime minister has gone so far as to say that we suspect that Barbados is probably underpopulated, and that we probably need an infusion of young, economically active people, you know, to help bolster economic activity and tax revenues and and help to um, take care of the aging population because Barbados is a relatively socially developed country um, where people live to a very, very old age, and so we have a progressively aging population. So there's a suspicion that we need, um, we're going to need an injection of, of young migrants, and we have made it clear. We look to our Caribbean brothers and sisters first, but thereafter, 
we look to the we look to the continent of Africa. So you can expect um, to see not just Barbados, but the Caribbean community uh, developing a very strong partnership with Africa in the months and years ahead. Right. And given all of the uh, really beautiful ceremony that took place uh, last night and, and also Rihanna's presence, of course, my entire audience will know who she is, an ambassador uh, to Barbados, making an appearance and, and receiving an award uh, from our prime minister. But uh, on a, you know, another level, a, a deeper level here, the hidden history of Barbados. Um, you know, I read an article, I think just a few days ago, that the newspaper coverage uh, that happened during the slavery days in, in Barbados will now become more accessible for Bajans to be able to see. Hopefully a lot of us um, will be able to go into the archives and, and trace our ancestry. You're right about Ghana. We have heard, we have to verify it, that I'm on my mother's side, our family uh, came from uh, Ghana and on my father's side uh, from Benin. But part of this history, and I, I, I just want to mention, bring up again, this Newton slave uh, burial ground um, land that, on a, that existed on a plantation that was established by Samuel Newton in the 1660s. You know, I grew up in Christchurch right near there. I went to Girls Foundation School. I had no idea that this burial ground was there. And David, to be honest with you, when I read about it and found out it was deeply disturbing, I actually threw up actually, because realizing, I mean, just the brutality of what that represented of these 600 souls. But the, the slavery in Barbados was so brutal. You know, tell us a little bit about that, that there was a tremendous turnover. I read somewhere, I heard that the average age um, of uh, slaves in Barbados, the lifespan was 18 years old, not 18 years in slavery, but 18 years old, and that the Barbados slavers were so brutal, um, they were imported, they were sent to the, the Carolinas to train people in how to brutalize slavery. Tell us, tell us a bit about that, and also about the tremendous wealth that Barbados created. David. Well, for, first of all, let me make the point that Barbados has the second largest slavery archive in the world. The only country that has more um, documentation, historical records about the period of enslavement is Britain itself. And um, Barbados, the Barbados government has just put in place a project to digitize all of the the, the records and to make them available not only to Barbadians but to the world. And you see, the Barbados historical records are important for all, for virtually all black people because Barbados being the most easterly of the Caribbean islands, it was the one, it was the island closest to the west coast of Africa. And in the era of sailing ships, it was the natural first port for the slave ships coming across the Middle Passage. So, so the North American colony, many, many of the slave colonies of, of, of America, of the Caribbean and the Americas, uh, were populated from Barbados. So the Barbadian records are critical um, virtually to all black people, certainly 
of this Western Hemisphere. And you're quite right. You know, as I said, the, the model, the slavery model, the Barbados Slave Code of um, 16, 1661, that, that was the model that was uh, where they worked out all of the details. You know, you hear about the Willie Lynch letter. Well, it was in Barbados that they, they worked out the system for enslaving people, for building a society and an economy based on slavery and all of the rules and punishments and, and regulations and restrictions. And having worked out the model, then that legislative model was taken um, to, to the other areas of, of British um, colonization. So, and Barbados was uh, virtually a total um, plantation society. Barbados is a very a cultivable land, you know, it's not, a, it's not a country of mountains and inaccessible areas. So virtually the whole island was given over to slave plantations. And, and so the, the level of oppression of African people in Barbados was virtually unprecedented. There was, no, there was nowhere for you to run to. So you, you couldn't really escape um, the, the, the oppression. And yes, I mean, the, the lifespan, you know, it was a capitalist model. So you, you invest a certain amount of money in, in purchasing a slave, um, bringing him into the colony or her, and you calculate that if I work this slave to death in six or seven years, I will make um, X times my initial investment. And so the lifespan of the slave, I mean, it varied at um, uh, different periods in the history of the colony. But there was, there was a time when a, um, a slave was basically worked to death in about six, in about six years. And so there's a, saying, there's a saying that you can find a Barbadian anywhere in the world. Barbados, Barbados rivals um, Ireland, and, and maybe Barbados might even be ahead of Ireland, as the country that that has provided perhaps on a per capita basis the most migrants, people who have gone all over the world. And why did, why did Barbadians seek to escape this island and end up in Cuba and Panama and, and New, New United States and, and, and Brazil and Colombia, even, even in the Belgian Congo? And it's because um, for the masses of the black people in the slavery period, but also in the in the immediate in the post emancipation period when the, the white planter class still maintained their position of power in, in the country, life was short, nasty and, and brutish and oppressive for the masses of our people. And so Barbadians were always um, seeking an escape, looking for greener pastures. And it's really only with the coming to power of black governments in the 1940s and 1950s, you know. By 1950, we, we had secured the right of um, universal adult suffrage, one man and one woman, um, one vote. And, and, and we were able to, uh, black people were able to form political parties, um, get, get their hands on the power of government and to use the power of government to uplift the, the standards of our people, um, you know, hospitals and clinics and schools and housing areas. And so much so, I mean, uh, the, the black people of Barbados and their governments did such a fantastic job that by the 1990s, the United Nations was rating Barbados as number 19 on the world's human development um, index. 
but that that was a tribute really to the superhuman efforts of black Barbadians and their political leaders um, to lift the country from um, the, 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 the hell hole that it had been um, under slavery and colonialism. David, sadly, my immediate family, uh, my mother and father and the three of us, three children, were part of that migration that you talked about as they made the calculation that it would be better for us um, to actually get out of my small village there in, in Christchurch and be able to get a higher education and have more opportunities that were not available at, at the time, uh, you know, of that. But uh, David, just finally, because we, we're running a little short of time here, um, Richard Drax um, sits in, in the UK Parliament today. Um, recall the suit of the Mau Mau, um, who got some reparations for the oppression and the suffering that they received. And there is now this move of reparations. And I could tell you, David, again, this Newton thing has really <laughs> upset me terribly. I mean, and everything that you say. So I wondered if you would just say something um, about this movement for, for reparations and for reparatory justice, because here you have this guy running around in parliament whose family uh, gained because the slave owners in Barbados, they got reparations after emancipation, but we didn't get any you know what I mean? So there are a lot of them running around with that wealth today. And meanwhile, we have a, a lot to do, including uh, stopping our island from sinking into the sea, given this whole um, environmental crisis. Just your final thoughts, David Commission. Yes. yes. Well, in 2013, the Caribbean community um, countries, including Barbados, launched a claim for reparations for native genocide and for African enslavement. And I just have to correct one thing you said um, in the beginning. Um, the native people of Barbados were decimated, not, not by the British, they were decimated by the Spanish who raided the island uh, for slaves, enslaved the people, took them away from Barbados. So by the time the British landed in 1625, that uh, the Spanish had already depopulated Barbados of, of, its, of its native people. So our claim, our Caribbean community claim for reparations is not only against Britain, it's against all of the European powers, Spain, Portugal, um, Holland, all of them that were involved in, in, in enslavement and the slave trade um, in, in the Caribbean. Now, Sir Richard Drax, who is the richest man in Britain's parliament, that's a very um, interesting case. Um, his his ancestor, Sir James Drax, was one of was on that first that the, the, the voyage, the ship that came to Barbados in 1627, that actually started the settlement. You know, they visited in 1625, then they came back in 1627 to start the settlement. One of the persons on that ship was Sir James Drax. He established a plantation in the 1630s known as Drax Hall in the parish of St. George. That plantation is still in existence, still functioning as a sugar plantation almost 400 years later. It has never stopped functioning as um, a sugar plantation. 
Sir James Drax was, if you want to find one architect of the system of slavery-based plantation production, Sir James Drax is the key architect way back in, in, in the 1640s, the architect of the so-called um, Sugar Revolution. He took um, this, he helped to take the system to, to Jamaica. There's also, he built a Drax Hall in Jamaica as well, a plantation eg, eg, identical to the plantation house um, in Barbados. A lot of the wealth that they plundered from Barbados and Jamaica was siphoned off to England, um, where they purchased you know, tremendous properties. And today, the representative of that family is a member of the House of Commons and is, in fact, the richest uh, member of the House of Commons. The Barbados National Task Force on Reparations has just decided that it is going to focus on the case of Trax Hall and the Trax family because our reparations claim thus far has focused on the national governments. Secondly, we have focused on private sector institutions, banks, insurance companies, universities. So we are going to be breaking new ground now by doing a study on, on the Drax family and determining to what extent a family as an institution where you can actually trace the institutional links of the, the present-day members right back um, to those centuries of, of enslavement. Um, the modalities for, for, for targeting a family are for reparation. So that's a new project that we are now about to undertake. And um, so the Drax family will be, will be, in a sense, the precedent. And, 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 and you know, depending on, on what we arrive at, then we may extend it to, to other families as well. But yes, um, we are, we are, we are on our course for reparations. We know it is not going to be easy. These people are not simply going to, um, you know, cave in and admit admit their guilt. It's, we 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 are in the process now of developing um, an international campaign. Um, we are reaching out to the African continent, the African Union. We are we are saying to Africa, look come and join us in the reparations campaign that we started in, in 2013. And we know that we have to make it into an international mass movement. We have to build it the same way we were able to build the anti-apartheid movement in the 1970s and 1980s into a powerful international cause celeb. Uh, we have to do a similar thing with the reparations movement. Absolutely. Well, David, I'm afraid we're going to have to leave it there, but we're going to have to continue this uh, conversation, serious business we're talking about here. And and we are on our way. This is not over. So becoming a republic certainly opens the way for us to not only know a lot more about our history, but uh, learn a lot more about what is owed to us uh, throughout the region and throughout the diaspora. David Comision, Thank you so very much for your work and congratulations to all of my, you and all my compatriots there back home. Thank you, David. Yes, thank you, Margaret. It's a great, great time for us. Uh, we're really looking forward to the future with great anticipation.